Welcome, welcome guys to the Brand Identity Design Business Podcast. I am your host, Jason. And I have been doing this series called as the Dark Side of Entrepreneurship uh, for about two years now. And the aim of my show is to educate entrepreneurs such as yourself. Some of them are creative. Some of them are just regular entrepreneurs with, you know, giving you guys ideas, recommend strategies on how to deal with adversities while running a business. And I do this by interviewing high level business executives like the person whom you see next to me who are willing to share their personal and professional experience with my listeners. My podcast is heard in about 33 countries at this moment of time. I've actually done quite a lot with my podcast. I've been fortunate enough to do this uh, from the past two years. So I appreciate all the love and support I have been getting from you folks. I want to make a quick few announcements before we move ahead with today's show. The first one is... Uh, I am trying to build up an email list so that people get notified about the events which I do on LinkedIn. If you have not subscribed yourself, very simple, uh, send me the word subscribe with your email address and I should be able to add you onto the list. I only and only talk about my podcast and anything related to podcasts so you would not be spammed. You would just get insights and information about podcasts. Second thing which I want to make a quick announcement for is that I have applied to be nominated for two awards this year. The first one is the India Audio Summit Awards uh, for podcasts uh, for the year 2024. And the second one which I just applied on Sunday is the National Creators Award uh, 2024 by the government of India. So please wish me luck. I have really tried making this a big success in a 150 square foot living room. Uh, that's how I've been doing this podcast from the past two years. It, it is a grind. It is a struggle with limited amount of bandwidth, limited resources. Everything which you see happening today uh, is out of that limitation. But I'm really blessed and fortunate to have come this far. So today's episode, I have divided into two sections because I thoroughly enjoyed this book by Radim. Two books. One is Creativity for Sale and the second one is Mindful Creative. And it has so much amount of information which I so loved. And I, I spoke to Radim just a few days back and I was like, you know, bro, I think we have to do like two parts because I don't think we would do justice by just doing one episode. And I'm so happy that he gladly accepted it. So today's part one is about the business of creativity. Okay, we would be touch basing on the first book, Creativity for Sale. And it's going to give you insights on how uh, creatives can be empowered to start, grow and sustain a successful career and business. Now, if you're wondering who Radim is, uh, Radim Malinich is a multi-talented creative director, designer and a best-selling author uh, based out in southwest London, and he leads a studio called Brand New. It's an award-winning branding and creative studio. He also has an independent publishing imprint called, called as Brand New Books. Originally from Czech Republic, he has led a diverse life. If you look at his background, he was a high hockey player. Ice hockey player, yes. 
a bassist in a death metal band he was an indie dj for a while a music journalist a student of economics and business management and eventually uh, after moving to the uk he discovered his passion for arts and graphic design and 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 radim has worked with numerous brands companies worldwide including harry potter london film museum adidas uh Dolby WWF USAID is also a keynote speaker at events like Adobe Max OFF Barcelona Design Festival FITC he also serves as a guest lecturer and a brand ambassador he has done a lot of stuff you know this guy is pretty cool and i love his books and i just want to personally say radim thank you uh, for being a part on my show i also want to give a shout out to easy for referring me to you and you know doing the introduction and making this whole work so thank you thank you so much i personally think you require a virtual applause so let's now have some virtual applause radim welcome to my podcast Thank you for having me. I feel I feel exhausted just listening to your um, <laughs> introduction. <laughs> I feel that I mean I, I do I, when I look back that that is quite a lot. That's quite a lot, and it's it's still not even everything I'm doing right now. But I just feel like we have got this most amazing, wonderful opportunity to live colorful lives, and I think we should just kind of tap into it and just you know do things like this, for example. Uh, this feels out of everything it's quite daunting to see people that there are people listening to a podcast because you know I've launched my podcast recently and sometimes you just talk to a guest and you don't really see anyone you never know who's listening to it and now you're like hey that's chris that's easy <laughs> that's lots of people that um yeah make it rather exciting so thank you for having me absolutely thank you so much for being here so let's actually get into the interview i don't want to waste people's time i'm really excited let's so deep dive into this topic so we will be focusing on the first book and guys if you are interested in purchasing these books i would highly encourage you to buy both the books the first one is creativity for sale and the second one is mindful creative the first book is focused towards building a creative business and the second one is all about looking after yourself to ensure the business sustains and you also sustain along with it so i have listed both the links i mean the link to purchase these books under the event notes show notes wherever you find it you should be able to pick up get yourself a copy i would highly encourage you to buy it so my question uh, the first question and when i was reading the first part uh, you you highlighted something that the most gifted artist can also be the lousiest business person and vice versa I was intrigued by just hearing it and just reading it. So, I could you expand what do you mean by this? Oh, absolutely. Thank you for that question. I think we live in this world where you can build creative business pretty much around anything. If you want to do knitting as a YouTube channel and make money out of that, if you want to play video games, I mean, we can kind of choose anything we really want these days and we still need to find a way to turn it into um to kind of find an audience and someone that will actually pay us, pay us for it and You know, sometimes I see incredible, incredibly talented people, and they just don't really want to push themselves. And sometimes that seems like a wasted opportunity because you want people to bring their craft to, you know, almost to the masses and and share it with the world. And you know, I know also people who are not particularly creative, but they make an incredible money because they are very good business people. But I think what we've got in our creative world is that. some people i think maybe misunderstand sort of creative services for art they i think they 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 think that 
you know what they create should speak for itself people should find it more it should it should be it should carry some sort of um um grandiose message that you know they will become artists or people will love them for what it is and they don't have to really do anything about it they don't necessarily need to build business around it but you know the moment you decide to go freelance and you say you know what i'm gonna do my own thing that's the day you start your business and I tried really hard in the books to not just to say, you know what, this is business because every single book you open on freelancing, you know, branding and stuff, it says, you know what, this is business. And we normally start these things by being super excited about the the, the output, you know, like no creative, like no designers ever started their creative practice by saying, you know what, I've got a really good idea for the business. I'm going to start this and then I'm going to learn my Photoshop or my, you know, my InDesign, my Procreate, you know, I'm going to do that second. No, everyone starts with the amazing stuff. You know, they just, that's what we do. That's what we explore. So no bands, for example, is started by, you know, thinking, oh, in five years time, we're going to play arenas. We're going to write most amazing songs. No, you start writing the songs in the first place. And then you see how you build, you know, your band and, and, and your career around it. And that kind of applies to creative businesses, you know, like we, we, we do the things that move us and give us something to, to be excited about. And then, you know, to make a living out of it, we have to kind of build a framework. And in 2024, there's no excuse by sort of pleading ignorance that you don't know how to build business. Because I thought about it uh, a lot, and actually I spoken to Izzy about it on, on my podcast a while ago when we were recording the session, that when you push yourself, when you when you do your own thing, it comes with a lot of uncertainty. You, know, you don't know necessarily, you know, what might pan out, how well you do, where you're going to get your clients, how you're going to get paid, you know, that kind of stuff. It's first like uncertainty. But you're doing something that actually pushes you, you're doing something that you know, makes you excited and kind of leads you somewhere. Because if you don't do any of this stuff, and let's say you stay in full-time employment, one day you're going to come up with a handful of regrets. Like, I wonder what if would happen, you know, what if what, what would happen if I did this? But when you think about it, when you're when you're employed, when you don't do, when you don't push yourself, you don't drive your, your destiny in a way. You don't drive your fate because... You let someone else choose the work that you do. You let someone else to pay you. You let someone else to name the company. You let someone else to decide on the clients. And you are just part of it. So you can lose your job anytime, you know, they decide to to, to, to sack you. And you realize, oh, shit, okay, maybe I should have gone and drive my own destiny. <laughs> so, of course, the world doesn't need millions and millions of freelancers. We need companies and not everyone is suited for this. But if you decide to go and you know create your own creativity for sale brand you know your output then you know you you drive and you, you do things beyond just that creative stuff that is lovely so do you think focusing on the outcome is is a bad thing radim like fo- focusing on the results is that really bad because if you no, if you no, don't really have no. an end goal go ahead go ahead no, no, it's not a bad thing, obviously. We, we need to sort of give it a bit of a focus on what you're trying to achieve because we, we've got goal setting, you know, like we, we, we have, if you, for example, want to have a successful career as a, as, a, as a designer, as an illustrator, then that's your end goal and you do everything in your, in, your, in your powers to actually make sure that's a sustainable career. So what ends up in the long run is that unless you have an external help, unless you get people to help you with running your business, you're not going to be creative all day, every day. You're going to be creative for two, three hours a day, but it's your own entities, your own business, because 
there's an advice in the book uh, called How Do You so know by Derek Sivers, who says, you know, when people ask me how to become an artist, let's say you go bankers, accountants, they want to be artists. And his advice is actually, you know, well, keep your well-paid job because you can paint the two or three hours in the evening and you can do all your own thing because if you're an artist, you spend two or three hours being creative and the rest of the six hours, seven hours, you're making, every, no, you're making sure that you can be creative. You're running your business. And to some people, that necessarily doesn't seem like the right choice. Thinking, well, I want to be creative all the time. But, you know, imagine your favorite food. You know, what do you want to eat every day? You don't want to eat it for more eight hours a day every day. You know, we need breaks for reflection. We need breaks for for learning, for development. You know, we need all of this stuff to actually give us a bit more of a multifaceted understanding of who, who we are, what we try to do, and understand who we create and work for. Because it's so easy to be narrow-minded and thinking that you want to change the world from your point of view, but you can only change the world from within. You can only change the world with the people, understanding what the world needs. How do we sort of fit in our creative services onto the world? Because, you know, you can have something which is so unique and aloof and sort of magnificent that you don't necessarily need to promote yourself but you know everything goes after a while you know michael jackson stopped selling thriller <laughs> after a while you know there's 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 definitely ways to kind of think where do you go next with your work and with your career and that's why we sort of that's why we always sort of try to encourage people to drive their own you know drive their own their destiny in, in, in a way because you know that's where the magic happens yeah, absolutely. See, I've been following Chris, Chris Do. You have been on his show also. Mm -hmm. I've been following him for a really long time. And uh, I've realized that, you know, creatives have a very difficult time justifying uh, what would be the value their work they're producing. So they kind of really struggle. And I, I have realized that, you know, because of the struggle, uh, people, that could be one of the reasons that could be affecting uh, their interpretation of how to have a business because sometimes they may not get what they would be worth. And there's this constant battle and it's exhausting, you know, to a certain extent. Do you think that has to do something, uh, the reason why creatives last, lack the business acumen they need to sustain and survive? What do you think? I think I think it's a question of experience because, you know, for the piece of work that I can charge thousands of pounds, I used to charge hundreds of pounds, you know, you kind of grow in life and it's more about experience because you have consultants, you have the creative directors, you know, we kind of we grow with life. And I think sometimes the, the, the people that might be following some of these channels, they buy into the mindset that because it's being said that some, some, something you can achieve of that kind, that they should be getting that today. And it doesn't work that way because it's a bit like a like I'm walking through the swamp for for quite a while. You know, when when I started in the creative industry, running my own business, I worked with every shitty client. I worked on every shitty job. You know, I worked on on, on way too many hours that I should have worked. And I just I kind of felt like I was going through the ranks. And you you kind of learn what you don't want to do again. You know, I think one of my main drives is that the success of a creative business is that, hey, you don't have to go back to work for shitty clients or you don't have to go back to your old job. You know, if you can do what you know, what you do, yes, what you did yesterday and you can still enjoy tomorrow and be paid, that's just the definition of success because we are, you know, again, in, in charge of our destiny. But the the thing about the value, I think we have slightly, I'm, I'm not saying a demystified, but I think we made 
we made the, the the tricky part sort of mainstream. So we talk openly about prices, what people should be achieving, and you know how 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 much people should be making money. And there's, I mean, I, I did a lecture today at a university, and I, and I called the subscription people, but but I'm idiots because you get people who kind of work on subscription basis design services, and they claim to be making millions, you know, and they're not. It's a lie, <laughs> unless they're not because. You only have to all you have to do is just to do maths. Like just not imagine how many clients you have to do at the price at that rate, how many hours do you need to spend? And it doesn't add up unless, you know, people don't necessarily commission anything. It just doesn't add up. And obviously I know there's Chris, Chris in the audience, Chris Marburn, obviously he's been around for a while as himself. We know how these things work. And somehow you can't just change the landscape and say, Well, look, You've got juniors here who want to be paid 10 grand for a logo. It doesn't work that way. You know, you need to actually define yourself. How is this, what is the problem that you're solving? How are you solving it? And what can you do for, for the company? So the people who get paid a lot of money, you know, in, in, in any industry are the people who actually solve a problem that earns the client money, you know, because we, after all, create commercial solutions for people who need to use it for commercial purposes. But most of the people especially at the younger age, would be happy to, you know, fight teeth and nail about every nuances of every logo that just doesn't work. So the thing is that the older you get, you kind of seem to do less work and you get paid more for it. But the problem, no, the, the, the good bit is that you've worked on the bits for a long time to understand how to do them quickly. And I think it goes back to the Paul Asher uh, quote, and actually that's sort of based on Picasso. I believe that, you know, you know, it takes you to 30 minutes to, to draw, but it, takes, you know, it took you 30 years to learn how to, learn how to draw it in 30, you know, 30 seconds. And I think this, this is the thing, like when we get older, we understand more about how we do this stuff. And we don't have to jump around in, you know, 20 different ideas and try to sort of change the briefs and do all sorts of things because you deliver what you need to deliver. And this is why, you know, <laughs> people <laughs> got their value. Absolutely, absolutely. I love what you're sharing. And I think it makes a lot of sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, I want to actually move further, you know, because while reading the book, I came across this nice example you were giving, you know, related to children. And you said something really profound in that small excerpt. You said that babies, okay, when they are working on their creativity, they don't worry about strategy. They don't bother about mood boards, sketches, swatches. They don't worry about feedback from their peers, competition, or even clients. They don't worry about the outcome at all. They are entirely focused on the act of making and creating and exploring in a raw, unfiltered, and uncensored way. They kind of get lost in the whole process. Okay, What lessons do you think we as creatives or adults can learn from this uh, un Unhibited creativity of children's. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, me and my wife has produced two little creative powerhouses in that age of three. Sorry, three, four. My boy is four, my girl is seven, just going on eight. And I just love my kids. Just, just not thinking about what they what they're making. They're just like, okay, I'm going to draw a camel. What sort of camel? You will see. Let me just draw a camel. And you're like, is that a camel? Definitely yes. Okay, cool. That's a camel. You know, and I think there was a Ken Robinson who was once doing a, a, a talk. Ken Robinson was one of the famous um, champions of education, of creativity in, in uh, champions of creativity in education. And he said there was a girl in the back of a class <laughs> asking, like, "What are you drawing?" She said, "I'm drawing God." 
It's like, nobody knows what he looks like. Well, they'll, they will know soon <laughs> because I'm drawing the God. And I just feel like with kids, it's it's amazing reminder that, you know what? It doesn't matter if it's dark blue, gray, blue, black, whatever, whatever they decide to use colors, you no know, thick outlines. It's their work. They're like, okay, I'm going to do this. It's like they don't, they don't have a precedent to, to judge it on the basis of like, okay, you know what? I have created a really, you know, I have drawn a really nice camel before. Now I need to think about how to draw even nicer camel. You know what? I wonder what my dad might think of the camel. It's like, no, dad, you're getting a camel in your office wall. Brilliant. Let's get a camel. And what else are you going to draw? And it's nice to sort of see like how boys and girls differ at a younger age. And my boy is just sort of coming out of his shell when it comes to being creative. And yeah, he just sits down, uses every color. And you're like, look, that that there is... It's, it's like it's an open thing. Like imagine whatever you did for the first time, how amazing it felt, and how we cast on that struggle to recreate that feeling ever again. Because when I watch them and when I kind of see like about a creative bravery, we wonder what people might be thinking of us. We always think like, oh, I wonder what you know. If I share a bit of the world, I wonder what they will think. And sometimes in life, you know, you go and think, no, am I wearing the right stuff? Or am I, did I dress nicely? Or is this not, is this the right thing to do? And you kind of worry what people might think of you, only to realize that people only think for themselves. <laughs> you just got a passing value and people just don't care. Like you see someone's work, especially now people swipe, like, you know, you put something on Instagram, you can be crafting it for days. And you put someone on a train going through the pictures, they're like, bam, 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 bam. You know, they don't like, they, they can look at it, put a like, go, like, People don't necessarily sort of pay too much attention, yet we worry what people might think, how many likes we might get. You know, we never have a defined number of likes. So if you don't get as many likes as you didn't know, as you got on the previous picture, that plays with our minds because creativity is used for external validations. Part of this is to validate it for us that we have chosen the sort of the, the right thing for us to do in the world and that we will get paid, that people will like it, that people will come back. You know, there's there's so much anxiety attached to creative process and creative business, which is unbelievable amount in a way. And I'm very much a first-hand account of like how, you know, many unresolved issues from my childhood and from my upbringing and from, from well, um, adulthood uh, manifested themselves in a way of like, okay, I can happily close the door for four days a week and just work every day, you know, every hour of every, you know, of, of, of every day, every waking hour, because I was looking for outside no a validation and and gratification like instant gratification from the work because you can play the long game which is delayed gratification and you can play the instant game so you know you can post something on what we used to do like twitter or whatever and you know someone says oh i like this you're like oh great i've, I've used my time wisely you know like you know to you know you wouldn't need to wait for someone to see it somewhere else or being printed or being you know done in commercial space so creativity is a means of an escape for us and, and especially at at later life, you know, people who come to create a space later, like there's a lot. And that's that's what we're saving for the conversation on Saturday. There's a lot when it comes to our minds, our anxieties, our insecurities, that sometimes it's the right fuel for our creativity and sometimes it's actually the, the, the what can impede our creativity. So when you go blank canvas of a child, they don't really worry about anything. There's no precedent, you know, they just do it. So, yeah, I think we can kind of learn from them because, you know, who cares if you do a thing in your home and, you know, you don't worry. Because, like, you know, when you draw a line, <laughs> when you draw a circle, when you, you know, when you make the first step, that's when the magic happens. 
Absolutely. I could not agree with you more. I kind of apply the same methodology when it comes to creating content for my podcast. Uh you know mm. for a, for the initial uh you know few months when I started, I was heavily focused I mean almost a year I was heavily focused on what the audience want, what the audience want to listen, etc, etc. And over the course of time I realized Radim and I've said this before that I found it very exhaustive and draining because it's difficult to please others. when you're trying to create stuff and uh, then what i did is that i shifted towards what i want to create and just focused on myself and uh, just build around it so that really helps and i think your example makes a lot of sense let's let's actually uh, talk about perfection and i've been you know kind of thinking about this perfection the word perfection for quite a while does the pursuit of perfection according to you hinder our ability to achieve success or do you think it's necessary uh, it's a necessary drive for excellence i think it's a good question by the way but i think it depends on your goal setting but before i answer your question i want to i want to go back to your point when you said i was pleasing the people what they might be wanting to listen to And there's a great phrase which says if you want to get a wrong answer ask everyone. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just like these books for example could have been absolutely anything but you know you just have to stick to your message like who are you and what do you want to bring to the world because you know people will show up you know it might be 10 might be 1000 might be 5000 might be one you know but it's about showing up and doing your thing because how many people in the world are doing incredible work and sometimes you get musicians where they stick with a style for 20 years and i'm like how do you do it i can't do one thing for 20 years i can't do one thing for 5 years or 2 years and and i think the word is about when you find your own patch when you find your own sort of connection with your creativity it doesn't kind of matter how how perfection no what how sort of how uh, no if you put a focus on perfection or not because some people might be I think hindered by the process of creating elaborate pieces for which they might not find the right output to get them out there in the right way if that makes sense you know because you might be making things that are really elaborate like you no know, detailed pieces what well, those are not suitable for Instagram squares or for LinkedIn posts you know you need something which is immersive and sometimes you know the the magic happens when you do something for 10 minutes and I've got endless endless examples of the twitter era when twitter was in in my opinion you know, on on a high around sort of 2009 and the things are put out within sort of 10 minute sketches and and they were like you know oh wow how did you do that what did you do with that and you can have pieces where i was elaborately retouching a landscapes and creating like no imagery for advertising campaigns and spending hours and hours like literally perfecting the work and kind of displaying my sort of technical skills no one gave a shit it was like all right nice whatever that's good you did for 10 minutes you know <laughs> that was really good and i think you got musicians and creatives who you know i think it was john may himself like watch this one watch this one and this song it's gonna it's gonna fly it's gonna fly it's gonna blow up nothing happened and then you got song which is not exactly the you know the thing that you want to be remembered for and that's what blows up because you never choose because your medium your medium is you know someone someone's highlight you know your 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 what what was Kirk Hammett from from Metallica doing an interview uh, on no uh, what's his name Beato channel 
And he says, I've got three types of riffs I bring to the band. I bring C riffs, B riffs, and A riffs. The A one's the best ones, but I always start with the C riffs and see how they go. And then I go to B riffs and the A riffs. And guess what? The C riffs, you know, the, the, the melodies and the ideas, are always the ones that people like. You never even get to B or, B or A, because when I go to the ones which I think, watch this one, this one's going to blow. It doesn't. It doesn't. And I think we sometimes try to validate things for um, internal purposes. I think perfectionists, I think, and I'm making this up, hopefully this will make sense, but I think perfection is slightly attached to anxieties and egos. You know, you want this to be the most amazing piece of work for various reasons, whereas if you're creating something for others, all of a sudden you don't have to worry about what you've created because, you know, it's for somebody else to use it or someone else, because how many things we use on a daily basis? Even Apple makes mistakes, Google makes mistakes, Amazon, I mean, we can talk about Amazon, no? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> customer services, which is just a chaos. And there's so many things that are just about sort of holding together. Yet we sometimes think like, oh, this is fantastic. Apple, what a, what a you know, flawless company. No, everyone makes mistakes, but it's sometimes about sort of setting yourself a deadline and going, you know what, got a ship, got a ship, this is it. And you know, you can always fix it. And I think to to you know, to to use the phrase like ship early, ship often, why not? You know, get it out there, validate it, see what you can do because you, know, you can perfect it later. But then, you know, are you still even interested in perfecting it because you might have an even better idea? Absolutely, absolutely. So what I'm concluding there is that, you know, it, it perfection is good, but, you know, don't heavily focus on perfection, maybe put stuff out there. Sometimes even the most imperfect piece which you're putting might just work. All you have to do is just throw it out there. Don't worry about... I mean, if I can, if I can ask, sorry for speaking over you, but I think it's taking pride in your work. I think you want to put stuff that you're comfortable with and then you put your soul into it because you know, if you bullshit your clients, they will see through it. If you're doing it for money, people will see through it. But when you put your soul into it, like people will see that you're doing it for the right reasons. So perfection, you know, Michael Jackson created things that, you know, sounded amazingly to him. <laughs> and I don't know why I keep using Michael Jackson today, but um, yeah, you know, sometimes people just may miss it. So it's just more like if you, if you, put, if you do honest work and if you put your soul into it, that's what matters. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I could not agree more. Lovely. Beautifully said. All right. You know, before we move on to the next question, I wanted to quickly give a shout out to somebody whom you see down in the audience. His name is Donald Ziraldo. He has been on my podcast. We had such an amazing interview. Thank you, Mr. Ziraldo, for being a part of this podcast. I also want to give a shout out to Leslie, Easy Once Again, and Brian, Mike, Bradley, Summer, Carol, Ben, whoever is listening, including you, Chris. You know, thank you so much for your love and support. Uh, if you do want your friends to join this conversation, if you're enjoying what we are discussing, uh, please use the share button, invite a few friends, send them a DM, bring people over. It would help. I think people would get a lot of value from this conversation. Now, I want to actually touch base on uh, how we label the business of selling creativity. And on your in your book, you've kind of highlighted like eight different categories, how a business can be classified. I think this information is really helpful. Would you mind touch basing on it and telling us what are those eight sections? I need, need to open a book on the right page. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was a while ago. But I think 
So the reason why I sort of spelt out different ways of what you could be as a creative service or creative business or creative professional is that it's more about a mindset because I've met people who were graphic facilitators. I mean, everyone, I've seen like great like graphic designers with about 15 different titles, depending where you go, if you're in Amsterdam or Canada or, you know, people see themselves differently. But because we do this most of the time for, for near mortals who don't necessarily know what you do, it's sometimes necessary to actually spell out the ways how we can promote ourselves because I used to be for a long time on my website, a freelance creative director. I wanted to tell people like, look, I'm for hire, you know, I'm a freelance creative director. And the first question would be like, oh, there's actually two types of questions. It would be, okay, so what agencies do you work for? Oh no, actually I work for myself <laughs> because I know that people, because of a, of a Google, not a SEO and, and, and Google search words, when people look for someone who is available, they look for freelancers. But there's there's two different meanings to being a freelance. So you would get an inquiry from someone looking for freelance creative director or freelance designer. They would speak to you and say, okay, how big is your team? I'm like, well, this doesn't make sense, does it? Because you're looking for freelance creative director, but now you want to know how big is my team. So of course, I'd be like, oh, look, look listen, I'm happy to... No, put late on a thick a little bit and say, well, there's 10 of us. Because you can, obviously, you can always get 10 people on the project if you need to. This is never a problem to uh, to scale up your business depending on the project task. But the thing is that um, freelancer in, in, in a traditional way is someone who's hired by companies, you know, like they could be a camera operator, they could be, you know, copywriter, they could be people like just come up, sort of like a, a, a problem solver. So I kind of see sometimes freelancers like, plumbers or tradies or whatever you are in the world where you know you're there to solve the leak you know i've got a leaky pipe i need a plumber the plumber will solve the and will solve the problem the job is done let's go and do something else whereas what i'm trying to encourage people is to actually think that you're running a business because it's about a mindset if you think that you're running a business rather than you're just a freelancer that no waits for the lack of or lack of a draw thinking like you know who's gonna find me what can i do it's a different story. So when you think like a small business, even though definition of a small business, as you know, in the book is that definition of a small business is, uh, is up to 250 employees. <laughs> you would never think that small business is 250 employees, but by the government standard, for example, in the UK and America, you know, a, a large business starts at like 1,000 or 5,000 people. So like it almost doesn't make sense because when you are small business, <laughs> when you think like a small business, you have to kind of perform the task of a small business. So you, you promote yourself, obviously you do your taxes and that kind of stuff. And of course you can be a freelancer, the, the kind that works for other companies that gets hired. You don't necessarily even need a portfolio because you've got a hiring agent or you've got your connections and you are just very good known in a sort of network um, of, 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 your, of your clients. As, as the guy, as the person, as the woman who, who does this type of job. So you almost work just the recommendations more than you need to promote yourself. So if you think about a second kind of a freelancer who's got a website, you know, it's, um, you know, it's got, you know, social media presence, that runs everything sort of more, more officially, that's not really freelance. You are just, actually, you are the person. And I think what we need to do, we need to feel more empowered to say, I am running my own business. I am this. And in a way, I'm kind of encouraging through the book to actually think, you know what? Let's double down on who we are. Let's double down on on, on what makes us unique and what we can do and build sort of brand of creativity. Because 
all of us have a creative signature. We all have a creative style because signature, signature styles that make us us. And it can feel quite daunting to think, you know, at, at, at the beginning, especially when we set out on the journey, like, okay, so this is what, what do I do? You know, in a band, you would, you know, whatever music you want to play, someone would say like, well, why don't you start with the classics? Why don't you play, you know, ACDC or Metallica or whatever? Like, why don't you do that before you actually, you know, find your feet? And in creative industries, like sometimes we have to emulate different people's styles and different sort of techniques before we find our own ways of like how to use the tools that actually kind of validated why is, why is the reason why we do, we do the work, if that makes sense. So I... um. Yeah, I think I don't think you, know, you would ever come to a business meeting and say, "Well, I'm a self-employed designer." <laughs> self-employed. I mean, it technically is what we what we are. We are self-employed, but you wouldn't really want to use that term in the meeting. You know, freelancer. I just talked about freelancer. Just doesn't make. You know, in in the in the broader sense of what I'm sort of suggesting is, it's okay. It's valid. You can be a freelancer because it does help with the SEO and 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 and, and searches. But sometimes you can be a a contractor you, know, you can be you know, a contractor is a person who it's more for example like you know a, a creative um creative person that's hired for a longer period of time and i think sometimes these ways depend on how you built um the block of time that you spend with someone because when you're running small business you talk more about the problem solving you talk about more of the project and you talk about less about the detail it's it's I'm not saying it's not necessary, but it's less in focus because you actually can almost be like a like-for-like -like business. So let's say you work with a small startup, let's say up to 20 people or up to 10 people. It makes you more comparable to to their business rather than, oh, it's just a little me, you know, and fighting against, <laughs> against the tide, which it doesn't have to be that way. So let me also have a, a, a consultant, which is more someone who, um, doesn't necessarily activate or deliver the work. It's just there you know, to, to look at <laughs> to look at the issues. Um, sometimes we call ourselves, sometimes we get people calling themselves a studio, which signals to potential clients that, you know, we can solve a bigger problem because, you know, the way you talked about earlier about people struggling to uh, get the right value for their work and what that means that if, you know, if you're little John somewhere, you know, <laughs> whatever the world, you know, imagine wherever in the world can, they can be, Look, I'm I'm John Smith. I'm a freelance logo designer. Rather than you know, we are the Smith Studio creating world class solutions for our clients. It's already about the business mindset. You've got different mindsets. You project a different message to people, which makes them believe that you know what well, these guys actually can do more than you know, or at least enough that we we've asked them to. Whereas, if you're a freelancer, John Smith, <laughs> logo designer you've kind of create yourself your sort of own barriers, your own sort of uh, limitations. And then doesn't necessarily let you to grow if you wanted to grow bigger, because I always have to stress that this is not for everyone and quite rightfully. So, you know, some people are happily employed and some, some people are happily keeping it small. But again, if you want to grab that wheel and drive your own fate and destiny in a way, you can create and adopt this mindset because it's 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 about how we perceive ourselves, how we carry ourselves, how we talk about ourselves, how we speak, how we you know project our um, um, brand of creativity, like and our philosophies, because that's what makes us us. Because when you think about it, why we you know the reason why we love brands is because they stand for something. I mean, some brand stories obviously are made up, but you know when you see the brand performance, the brand architecture, the designs, the campaigns, and you know the ambassadors. 
they all have something in common and that's why we like it and, and what we try to do with our business is actually emulate it and stand for something because we run creative businesses and most of us and i can speak for myself sometimes our branding is non-existent <laughs> and that's the problem so you know so we don't have to rely on our um sort of just um, job titles or sort of labels if that makes sense because no one is thinking oh, is, is, is nike a, you know a shoe company or do they make comfortable shoes it's like it's a brand that's what they do and I think we should emulate what we do for others to to actually be in that mindset and think like a business and think like, okay, what can I grow here? Like, you know, you're going to think, when you put yourself in the mindset of a a small business owner, you start thinking, how do I grow? How do I scale up? Who can I employ? Who can help me with this? You know, what what else is there? Because if you're in a freelancer mindset, you're like, you know what? The world is a bit unfair (laughs) sometimes. (laughs) So I hope you answer your question. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I, I think in your book, and you have kind of covered everything, uh, there are like eight sections you have mentioned, uh, out of which first one was self-employed, then you have freelancer. Uh, you highlighted there are hired freelancers and non-hired freelancers. You explain who are contractors, consultants, small business owners, studio, and then you have the agency, which does work at a larger scale. And based on your example, you know, if you compare the little John, or the little Joe, whoever that is, trying to make logos for a living, a small business, very small, minute, <laughs> micro level. And if you compare that to a studio, I think a studio can charge quite a lot of money for their work because execution-wise, they do a lot in comparison to this. I think creatives sometimes make a mistake. Uh, they kind of try to become or pretend to be a studio and try to charge because they feel that's their worth and they've been hearing that on YouTube and many other platforms. And I think that kind of jeopardizes them and you know things doesn't work out. Maybe they don't get opportunities that way. What do you say about that? Do you think that is one of the reasons why creatives struggle a bit? Because they are not placing them or asking for the right value depending upon where they are at at that moment of time? So there's two parts to your wonderful question. Um, so... What we don't know with studios, I mean, it's it's quite easy to see, for example, the brand reveal and go, how much did that cost? I can't believe the brand paid $100,000 for the rebrand or half a million dollars. What we don't know is actually the work behind the scenes because if a big brand goes and, and, and refreshes everything they do, that's a lot of logistics. Now, you have to make sure that your work actually lands well, you know, it's, it's, it scales well. And there's a strategy. Obviously, you 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 do your benchmarking, you do a compet- competition com- competition competition analysis. You know, you actually work really hard behind the scenes. And we've been working on so many of my studio on so many brand projects where we don't really do any like some physical work for let's say two or three months. We have com- conversations, we have strategy meetings. You know, we plan, we validate, we you know we ask questions, uncomfortable questions. We get asked uncomfortable questions. You validate the work, and that work doesn't get seen on the outside. So when you see the final mobile final product, you're thinking, "Oh well, you know that sort of old mantra of 2020, you know, 2020 is like, well, I could do that. I could do that with my eyes closed, you know. Like I should be paid all of that money. I could, I could have done a better job." Well, the thing is, the reason why the studios and agencies employ extra people is because it's teamwork. And as a freelancer, you can, if you go on a on a small sort of freelance 
business website, you can see that work looks like it was done by one person, you know, because they don't necessarily have that broad brush of how they can deliver things that are engaging or different, or sometimes they just you know, explore their signature style way too much. You don't, don't necessarily even think about competition. And I think we need to sort of demystify this for, for, for many people, especially now, because as I, tried, as I said earlier, like it's, we are slightly sort of bamboozled or uh, it could be quite easy to be bamboozled when, especially when you're young in this industry, to think that the world is unfair because you know, you're not getting paid the big bucks. But the problem is, if, you, you know, if you've been around for five minutes, hey, the world doesn't know you, you haven't lived a little, you don't know what you're doing, <laughs> and all you're doing is kind of dreaming out loud and blaming the world to not be ready. <laughs> so it's like, you know, when you... You know, when you're an artist and make a first album, I mean, you make it yourself and no one's heard about it. You can't be upset and no one's listened to it because you need to kind of, you need to bring it to the masses. You need to do something about it. And that kind of applies to selling books, you know, like it's, it's, you know, you have to build a career around this. So to bring it back to studios and, and to, to bring it back to freelancers, I think there's, there's, I think there's a need to just pull back a bit and, you know, information that's out there is super, super helpful. I think we've, we've democratized the information to, to the level like it never never existed before. And, you know, the books I've made, been making is that I wish those books existed 20 years ago when I started doing this stuff because I, 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 would, I would absolutely need that. So that's why I'm creating them well now so the new generation can work with, you know, the, such information. Because when it comes to, let's say, let's talk about branding, I kind of feel with all the tools and the generative AI, what we've created, we've kind of created, we've kind of brought benchmark and, and a sort of the, the baseline a lot closer to, to, to where it used to, not to where it has ever been. Because, you know, branding projects, even 10 years ago, almost seemed untenable to do, to be done by small studios. It was all, all the big boys and girls, you know, big name studios, they were doing all the work. And now, you know, you see all the new names springing up and doing work that, you know, with much smaller teams for, for much bigger brands, for established new established startups. And that didn't used to happen. And you can have three, four people and you can do work that looks like it was done by 20 people because, you know, we have demystified this. Like branding process is no longer a surprise. Like we've got, now we're using the term now brand deja vu because you can close your eyes and can do a blind test. And I'm like, who's created the last five rebrands? Because the signature starts disappearing. We just kind of feel more of the trends and more of the sort of styles and not necessarily about personalities. And it's, it's, it's getting harder because we have enabled literally millions of people to do branding and, and creativity really well. <clears throat> so it's a question of like, oh, what is the magic now? Like, because we live in a much nicely branded world. It looks fantastic. And you come across tools that are much, much, much better. And I feel like we kind of picking up the speed and of creativity much faster than we have ever done, you know, because let's say a trend or style would last three, four years in the past. I kind of feel like we've got six months now, you know, like that what's, what's, what's good now. It's kind of almost obsolete. It feels a bit sort of overdone because anyone from, you know, Brazil, China, Vietnam, you know, say Ukraine, hopefully Ukraine, uh, you know, anywhere in the world, you can see stuff happening on, online right away. And you can recreate it. You can you can brand whatever your new project is. We can sort of borrow the ideas, and it's. I think that's the importance more than ever. Like, how do you actually create something that the world needs that hasn't got it yet? Because we are all trying to reinvent the wheel 
And we all start with the wheel. <laughs> it's just a question what you do with it, you know? So it's more about sizing up the project, sizing up the task, and actually working behind the scenes. Because I'm married to brand strategists and the work they do, you, you can't kind of see it, but it's all, you know, it's it's all behind the scenes. It's the stuff that informs the decisions. And, you know, in the world today, I just feel like everyone is a brand strategist. Like every logo designer is brand strategist. But I just <laughs> don't think they've ever really seen what brand strategy looks like, if that makes sense. But again, it's a good thing because we go after the mindset. You no, know? if we think more about strategy, then we should get better results. So it's just a question of, you know, you need to kind of grow into your title, if that makes sense. Absolutely, absolutely. That was a good one. You know, everybody is a strategist nowadays. So, <laughs> all right. All Sorry. Right. That's okay. That's okay. That's okay. Let's actually take a quick break. And if anybody who is listening who wants to come up and ask Adam a question, you're welcome to do that. I'm just going to quickly uh, give a shout out to one of my sponsors. And uh, we will continue the interview further from there. Are you a professional speaker who's frustrated because you're not getting paid for the value you deliver? If so, the Get Paid from the Stage program was created for you. During our six weeks together, you will build the framework for your speaker business. You'll create an amazing speaker package that event organizers are going to take notice of. And I will walk you through the sweet spot for pricing and many other things that are going to make you referable so that you can earn the high dollar value that I know you're delivering. Be sure to sign up soon. Our next cohort begins March 2nd, and it's limited to no more than 10 people. Send me a note and let me know that you heard about the program from Jason's podcast to get your free one-hour consultation with me at no extra charge. I can't wait to see you get paid from the stage. Awesome. So the voice you were listening to, that's Carla Howard. She was a guest on my podcast. She spoke about how to become a five-figure speaker. I have links to this cohort uh, or this this Get Paid From Stage course she's doing. I have all the links under the show notes. You should be able to find it under the event notes too. Please take advantage of it. At least have a conversation. I think she's great. Uh, I think people, this would be specifically for people from North America. Uh, if you guys are outside North America, just just uh, talk to her, see if at all if that works out and go from there. All right, so moving on to uh, with our interview. You know, when I was reading the book, I did come across the small excerpt uh, which you, wherein you speak about do what you love and you call this as a myth. Okay, and the quote is, if you do what you love, you will never have to work a day in your life. So why do you call this as a myth? <laughs> I think everyone who's done a, not a day of creative work will like, wait a minute. So uh, you promised me to love what I'm doing. And yet I'm having a fight in battles. I'm in trenches fighting with my clients uh, to actually get a, not a good piece of work done. Because when I started in the industry, I always say quite openly that I didn't suffer with any imposter syndrome or side of suffered with idiot syndrome because I was absolutely intoxicated with the idea of creating, you know, beautiful work. I've said, look, oh, right, they gave me a job as a graphic designer. I'm going to show them what everything that I can think of. And 
I had no idea. Like what we're describing so so far with the people that you know, might be running small, quite sort of newbie op- operations, you haven't got a clue what has happened yet. And you know that the creative industry kind of promises you this sort of this 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 reward of like, okay, so so you do creative work, you will enjoy yourself because that's kind of why you got into it in the first place. So I do say that sometimes creativity has got a marketing problem because we we talk about it. I mean, you don't have to go to 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 to, to any any sort of place far far and wide to find someone on stage who is at the beginning of their career going, you know what? I love what I do. I don't know I, I, that, that, that this is why I got into this. But we don't see any other jobs being advertised in the same way. I mean, not we don't see a bus drivers being you know, um, recruited by some sort of big campaign saying, hey, you will love driving this bus every day. You know, you will not love five, not five, fighting fires every day. Like we seem to have this sort of this sometimes unnecessary perception that, you know, because it's creative work that it's going to be easy and it's not. And that's kind of the right thing because we we need a bit of a romance we need a sort of bit of a thinking okay you know this is this is the romantic proposition of that you know i'll be sitting in my home you know doing amazing work and everything will will be going well there'll be no problem at all you know i'll be get paid i'll go on those holidays you know kind of like a life of you know a mysterious influencer (laughs) you see people going like it's so easy whereas it's not and it's not meant to be right it's not meant to be easy because how quickly would you lose an interest because you know we need as, as, as humans, we are hardwired to to work on our survival instincts. Like we need a bit of a pushback. We need to feel like we're pushing the boulder up the hill, even when we don't. Nobody tells us we don't want to do it, but we need a challenge. That that's what makes us come along, come back, and, and strive for more. Because you know the, the 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 videos or the stories about people scaling mountains. It's not because it's all fun. It's because it's full of challenges. But when you get to the top, you're like, that was an effort worth making. Like this is what we need to do. Like this is this is where you know, impossible things happen. And I think sometimes, and with the arrival of social media, I think we have sort of some trivialized the process because sometimes you, you let belief that all you have to do is find the typeface and just type out a company name and you're done. And that's not exactly right. I think we, we just need a bit of a struggle. And, you know, do I love what I do? Yes, I do now. And I've always loved it, but I was not always in love with it <laughs> because, you know, you you go through, you grow through this life, you grow through your business and you kind of, yeah, you need some pushbacks. You need some negative, not negative experiences because that will make you even on, that will make you on, that will make you or break you. But well, <laughs> what doesn't break you too much will make you grow stronger, easy. Absolutely. Yeah, it definitely makes you stronger. And if you just have to keep the grind on, uh, because I think these challenges uh, will shape your perception about things and you would end up doing wonders uh, if you continue doing it. So lovely answer. You know, I appreciate you sharing that, Radim. I want to actually move on to the next thing. You know, I, you know, I found this concept, the power of one, which you have highlighted in your book, The Creativity for Sale. Could you help my listeners understand what is this concept? And uh, and you have also highlighted a few questions how to figure out the power of one. So could you help my listeners understand this? And you also state, I think, the power of one is is uh, is the power of you also. So it was really interesting. So go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I always like, you know, even, even today I was lecturing in a university on the other side of England. And I always say in these lectures that, 
no one's waiting for your greatness. Like no one is waiting unless you've got super pushy parents, unless you've got super pushy you know, environment or super support network. No one is waiting for your greatness. Like it's down to you how to make it happen. And for me, in early 2000s, I found this book by Paul Arden and the cover on its own is just enough that it said, it's not how good you are, it's how good you want to be. And that kind of gave me an idea like, what do we do? Like, no, because I knew I couldn't be the best in the world, but I knew I can strive to work on myself and, and do the work. Because when you think about it, I use it sort of example as Usain Bolt goes and runs 100 meters, you know, he goes to that line, he's ready, you know, and he runs, but what we don't know, what we haven't seen behind it, behind the scenes is the, is the training, is all the training he's done, obviously, is the backroom staff, is the psychology, is the sport therapist, all of the, the, the sponsors, all the gear. You know, that's a big machine behind someone. Like, we know, you know, how much they want him to be great, but it all stems from him. Like, obviously, he's decided to put himself in those shoes to run that 100 meters. And in our creative work, sometimes I feel like there's a parallel. It's like, how much do we want this? You know, how much do you want this? And how good do you want to be? Who do we want to be? You know, and, and where do we actually, where do we go with this? Because we, or most of the time, don't have this defined. We just sort of hope to arrive at, you know, at this moment where everything clicks. And that doesn't always happen. So in the power of one, it's like you have something special. Like everyone has something special. Obviously, for example, with your podcast, you know, in, in the book, as you know, I talk about the fuel and the feel as two of the first, four, two of the four ingredients. And the feel and the feel is like, the feel is like, I want to do something so much that no one was, nothing will ever stop me. So you, you, you put your focus on a creative career that you potentially would like to have and you go after it. The feel will tell you what do you want to do with your creativity? Like, okay, do you want to make posters? Do you want to make websites? Do you want to make, you know, things for the greater good? That's, that's kind of the beginning. And it, it all stems from us because I'm a big believer in collaboration. I'm a big believer of, you know, getting, uh, the most out of people, getting most out of teams, creating really amazing sort of solutions. But we have 11 players on a football field, on soccer for our American friends. You know, everyone plays their role, but everyone wants to be really good at their role. You know, you don't have to ask a footballer, like, how good you want to be? Because th they've been working to this moment, you know, to play for the country, for example, for many years. So it's kind of like, how do you build yourself how do you put focus on your personal development and and what you want to do with what you've been given because the other two ingredients in, in this in this equation are magic formula and a superpower and the magic formula is like okay what makes me sort of special so you know is it talent for colors is it you know is it is it um, um, the way i want to work with type or stories what can i do and the superpower is that sort of element, like is the endurance, is the tenacity, you know, it's, it's you know, bloody mindedness. Like, you know, you just go after what you want to do. And that will makes each, each individual, individual kind of striving to get to the places where they want to get. And um, yeah, if it doesn't come from you, then I don't think you will ever find it, if that makes sense. Yes, it, it does make a lot of sense. I I really appreciate, you know, you sharing the fuel and feel uh, formula. I had a question around that. I appreciate you sharing that. And also highlighting about the magic formula and using the magic formula as your superpower. Now, in this evolving, uh, you know, nature, 
evolving landscape of business you know i i think many creatives and and entrepreneurs are really pressurized to find their why okay and what i have realized is that you know having a strong why is good but over the course of time and you also highlighted the same thing in your book you know as you develop your career your strength and values you kind you why kind of you know it shifts it changes it tweaks and you have like a a better version of it so many people are fixated that they need to really have a strong why before getting into business or doing something from a creative standpoint what is your take on that do you do we really need a strong why initially or a vague one would still do I think I think there's a three phases of why. I think Simon Sinek's done a very good job in bringing the why to the masses and kind of demystified it and it helped me in you know my earlier career to actually think oh shit I need I need why. <laughs> in fact, I need to I need to verbalize my why because I knew what I was doing it. And my why initially it was for myself. I was trying to satisfy well my ego my my soul my my outputs. I wanted to the work that you know was to validate um what i was doing and also kind of working on on the basis that um helps to um sort of get val- no get validated by the outside world whereas you over time you know if if you grow for this career you realize actually i can i can do this for other people you know i can do this actually, i want i want to help other people do good better work and deliver better work actually you know what my why is now you know enabling others to 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 succeed because at first obviously it's a survival instinct when you start your own creative business you want to survive yourself so the first of all you know your why is more like okay how why, how, how can i do this so I, i don't have to go back to any crappy jobs so in the second stage is your why can become more of about okay how can i help others and then in the third stage it's like almost like how do i give it away like how can i actually enable the people in the first stages of why to actually learn and let go because you see these battles and comments online and you know experiences here from 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 people like how in their first stages of why like they they just want to change the world from their point of view and i think you know we need all three stages but as we grow it just becomes a bit more easier to to let go and you know now you know, I'm in a stage where I do this because I want to share what I have found what I have what I have experienced what I have kind of demystified what I've decoded because I just wish it existed 20 years ago you know in in, in a written form or accessible form and kind of curated in a form that uh, works like a toolkit for you know creatives or of all stages of their careers because my why is now to help is not necessarily about validate of you no know, what my creative output is because you know as you as you know from my second book in first 20 years of my career I've put 30 years of hours so <laughs> I don't I don't need any more creative work just to create it for myself to validate it not that I can create the work and I've I've, I've got hundreds of pieces of work that I've, I've done so it's more about how do we help others to you know to succeed and in fact how do we have others to succeed as a, as a, as a collectively as a human you know a society you know that that we can do a better work for for ourselves and for the future generations 
Absolutely, absolutely. This is lovely. So, so it does happen that you know your your why does evolve over the course of time, and it's more to serve people, help them out, and doing something for the greater good of you know humanity, and make something magical out of it. So, I appreciate you sharing that, Radin. This is super cool. Now, I remember while while reading your book, I you know there's a small section called "Living and Breathing What You Do." I really love this, and you. speak about job titles okay the notion of earning the titles rather than just having them so would you mind expanding mm-hmm. earning these titles than just having them i think it's pretty simple but you know i would like to hear uh, your side what would you have to say on this so yeah so in the previous section we talk about sort of the idea of how we sort of conduct our business whereas in this section is how do you see yourself like as as what you do because i as you told in 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 the, in the introduction i've done many different things <laughs> in the past before i became creative so when i when i label myself as a graphic designer i i know how much i adopted that mindset from day one and i told everyone i told everyone i was a graphic designer i was subsidizing my non-existing design career from from with djing and i told everyone in in all the clubs where i was playing i'm now a graphic designer and guess what they gave me work and you know i kind of wanted to again live and breathe what what you know, what i do and kind of say like that this is what i stand for right now because people will find you you know because you when you when you have that title when you when you sort of have that mission and 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 the vision of what you want to do you start showing up you start showing up and you start showing people that that that's that's what you want to do and you know at the beginning of what we what when when not for example you might be 20 20 year old freelance graphic designer you haven't lived much you know you haven't done many projects you haven't done the work that that's needed for you to warrant that title but it can be seen from like say from from senior sort of senior perspective like well wait a minute you're only not a rookie with a with a flashy title and and we can see that sort of divide like looking up over the fences like oh well you know there's someone who just installed photoshop on their laptop calling themselves a graphic designer whereas i've been doing this for 20 years and i'm almost reluctant you know from someone's perspective to call themselves a graphic designer but we need this like we need those 20 old entrepreneurs or we need this you know whatever they you know people call themselves now within 10 minutes on their social media like you know every well <laughs> some sort of sort of made up conglomerates but you need that mindset you need to believe that that's what you're going to do you know like when you when you, again I, i bring it back to the music like when people start making music they see themselves on the stages they they want to hear themselves on the radio because that's the mindset like you want to do that stuff and you know if you are sort of part time you know a uh, non non dedicated creative then you're going to end up being part time you no know, part time part time equally so successful because it's not going to give you exactly what um the results you're trying to get so it's about doubling down on like you know with the power of one is doubling down on who you are and what you can do and how you can enrich the world and you know live and breathe the 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 output like the the mindset because it does amazing things to us and you know once we grow into that title it might be even obsolete but you know we only to start somewhere and sometimes from our sort of perspective of our seniors sometimes you know we we have to accept that you know if someone was a graphic designer or entrepreneur 5 minutes ago and they call themselves now that thing you know what good for you you're a champion now embrace it go for it like believe it because that's what makes people you know fantastic and and sort of <laughs> if you believe it and that gives you a long-term career 
Absolutely, absolutely. I I agree with you. So, so in a way, what you're trying to say is that you know it's good to have titles, but you know it, you should also work on it, make it better. You know, build your craft over the course of time and uh, have experience and expertise around it. Now, the reason I find this interesting is because when we had an initial conversation, like a pre-call, I remember Radim, I I asked you like you know how would you like to promote yourself or what kind of call to action do you want towards the end of my show. and you suggested you know i don't need creative work and you kind of said that on this show too right you don't need any more creative work i will rather promote my books and help people so i think uh, uh, our desires as entrepreneurs as we grow and progress it keeps evolving and changing maybe at some point you really desired to be a graphic designer and you did and you really made the best out of it you extracted and you're very satisfied with the progress you made at this moment that's no longer your desire you have kind of pivoted now you want to do this and maybe after 10 years maybe you want something else would that be fair to say absolutely i mean i'm 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 we're we still running the studio we're still doing client work but we're doing it with a sort of trusted team of clients that we service and we not add sometimes we are new clients but creativity overall and our creative journeys are collections of many experiences many many pieces of knowledge many skills you know many different habits and this is what makes us kind of living in a disneyland because you can be anyone tomorrow you know if you don't like a job title if you don't like a job you can you can change you can literally have to hard pivot and just change it because there's no need to be moaning about like you know what well, i don't like my clients i don't like my work because it's not exactly the clients or the work that's the problem <laughs> it's usually the person that's that's the problem you know it's something in our lives that makes us sort of not enjoy the thing and i just feel like with with what we do we need to think where we going long term i mean it's sometimes it's not always on on our radar especially in our younger age but i'm 45 and things are beginning to make more sense and i know what what makes me happy what makes me light up and i'm a big fan of the book called from strength to strength by arthur brooks which is talks about sort of happiness in the second part of the life and you get people with very linear careers you know like being junior designer or junior developer all the way to senior to the creative director and they just do the one thing all day every day and it's not necessarily about you know happiness anymore because the, the works get easier and you're not necessarily sort of more sort of involved with it so i think it's what we do with the findings and how we put them together and what we do with it that's what makes the magic that's what makes it interesting because you know variety <laughs> i mean it's, it's a cliche but it's a spice of life you know we want to do things that um will make us interested because if you do the same thing over and over again you can't expect different results you know <laughs> that's not <something> possible <laughs> so um yeah that's why for example your podcast might change in 2 years time to be something completely different you know you see podcasts on spotify that you know started as something completely different 5 years ago and then it's changed and changed and changed and what i found is a sort of one side side point to this that I thought that I was going to do hard pivot into coaching and 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 publishing and I always thought that my career was kind of akin to a speedboat next to a cruise liner. You know, I thought look, I've been running an agency for well, agent like a studio and on different entities for the best part of 20 years and I just want to jump off and, you know, be a full speedboat to a hard turn and and change careers, but it does feel like I'm actually on a cruise ship, you know, like to actually change what I've, what I've created. Um it it changes because 
the world's got enough creative people they can do the work and there's always new people and we replenish them every year but it's a question of having the right messages to people that we can enable them to do good work because despite all of the advances in in technology information out there you still see people having the same battles that we had 20 30 40 years ago like the work is still not necessarily always created under the right condition with the right people having the right input and having the right sort of um objectives and i think if there's more if there's more message and you know, sort of mission right now is that i kind of almost on small scale basis want to help people to enjoy creative work because after all you know we should enjoy what we do we should love what we do and sometimes it feels that we don't absolutely absolutely when you spoke about doing like a hard pivot i was just reflecting uh, on myself just a few months back because i also did a few uh, one hard pivot you know i i used to be a designer now i've pivoted to be a full time podcaster and i'm trying to build something around podcasting now it took me i i feel personally when i did this pivot it took a lot of courage and i had to really think you know whether this is going to be the right move because podcasting as you know is not really something very sustainable in terms of revenue and monetization opportunities it doesn't really help you fill the gaps as as we anticipated so i kind of did the pivot and i am enjoying it but you said something very profound while you were explaining that you said that i feel very happy with what i'm doing and i kind of see the same thing i feel very happy doing what i'm doing because it just gives me a peace of mind it just makes me feel more purposeful in what i'm trying to create do you kind of feel the same way do you think i am in the right direction or do you think i'm confused and just doing some stupid shit no, no i don't think anyone's doing anything stupid is like for example you know as you know i've, I've launched my podcast a few weeks ago uh, just as a sort of additional sort of channel to the messaging and kind of celebrating the people in the industry and it's again it my why is about sort of shining light on the people and sharing their stories because you know we we are all horses in the same race but we don't necessarily know about one another we sometimes feel like we are so alone doing this to thing and thinking you know I only have the problem and you know, the other person thinks they've got a problem and somebody's got it better and by having honest conversations about how we do this stuff and actually sharing cross pollinating this is what makes us richer and richer to live more richer creative and personal lives and i sometimes feel like when when i talk about a sort of hard pivot is that you know you kind of need more than one thing i'm not necessarily saying that you still have to stay being a designer and run a podcast but you know i'm kind of building different channels and different how to say different sort of channels be enough of how to get the information to people because you know for example i create now textbooks for people who like pictures <laughs> so my first book was incredibly successful because there was more pictures than text you know creative people don't necessarily like to <laughs> read much heavy copy whereas my new books are very heavy copy books so i need to kind of open up and find a way how to get the stuff to to, to get to people because not everyone listens to audiobooks not everyone listens to podcasts not everyone reads books not everyone buys paperbacks um and that's the kind of like way of like how do you find your audience how do you build your tribe because i believe you no know, my why <clears throat> is about sharing this like about unlocking the feelings unlocking the kind of bringing down the myths and taboos of of what i felt when i was 
you know, burnout, overwork, struggling kind of thing, you know, especially on a human level with the work, especially the toxic sort of working <laughs> practices. How do you share that with, especially with upcoming generations, um, to say that it's okay? Like, you know, it's okay. Sometimes the world's not going to be all right, but, you know, we can do this. Like, you know, because, you know, you need to learn how not to feel, how, you need to learn how to feel okay when you're not feeling okay. And I think that's there's that's, that's so much. When you put business, creativity, accountant, accountancy, you know, tax bills, whatever, you know, promotion, marketing, podcasting, newsletters, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, family, kids, relatives, you know, social. When you put all that together, that's a big model, big old model and chaos, you know. And to keep up with all of this, we need to know how to sort of navigate all of this because, you know, our ancestors, you know, they had slightly easier life. <laughs> it was not as heavy <laughs> on information. So it's about putting the right things that you believe out there and it will find its own audience, you know, and doing, you know, you do what you love because you actually care about the message. You're not doing it for, for vanity reasons. And I think, I think this is, this is where the why gets validated because you want to share, um, you know, as you call it, the dark side of the entrepreneurship with people. Like actually you want to be honest about what people can expect when they were not expecting anything because, we are beautifully naive when we get when we sit on our sort of paths of creativity or entrepreneurship or business like you know we don't think about a five-year plan because you know through my research when i was doing a book like there's no creatives have business plan you know we just go because we want to do this stuff and we just work it out as we go along and that's sometimes very very interesting because if you knew everything about everything we would not do anything in our lives you know like if well, we know how crazy it is to have kids you know would you have them? Well, you know? <laughs> would you do this? Would you do X, Y, Z? You know, in your life, not necessarily. You know, like it's 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 all kind of like we have to deal with the situation as they come, and sometimes naivety is, is necessary. But then, you know, when all is said and done, we need to kind of know how to react to things that happen because that's the important part. So, you know, projects go wrong, things go wrong. We just need to have, know how to recover and how to recover quickly, and, and I think that's the important part. So. To go back to in a long long winded way to you know having a podcast and stuff, I think there is another ways of 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 having the right audience and earning from the things that you know takes time. I was thinking about you no know, Debbie Millman's podcast earlier, and I think it took her like ten years before she actually went went mainstream. She was podcasting from two thousand and five to twenty fifteen, and. And then it blew up, you know. You get bands like Soundgarden. It took them ten years before they wrote Super Unknown, which was which when they blew up. And <clears throat> you get David Bowie, who made his best album when he was sixty nine. You know, like it's it's just when you when you show up and you put your honest soul and take pride in your work, and when you put it out there, you know, that's when the magic happens. You know, we don't necessarily think about sort of quantifiable results, like you know, oh, I'm running a subscription business that makes a million dollars a month, like doesn't <laughs> <laughs> so yeah absolutely i love your examples okay before we wrap up i have just one more question uh i remember uh reading the section being an alien and you speak about why mm. creatives should embrace being the odd one would you mind expanding on that so being the odd one out i mean i think this is very much written from a personal experience because obviously i live well half of my life already now in in england i was born in Czech republic and I wanted to blend in. I wanted to blend in like crazy, especially at the beginning, because 
you don't want to stand out because you move to a different place, you embrace the culture, you embrace the language, you know, and you kind of want to do it with creativity at first. Like you just want to be good enough, if that makes sense. You just don't necessarily want to do things that stand out too much that, you know, you kind of, it's, it's a good, it's a good sandpit. It's a good development stage. But then we are all here to live our own story. We are all here to do our own work and somehow create our sort of, of, of shape the picture of reality in, in our own sort of unique ways. So when you think about, you know, comedians, I'm not sure why I'm thinking about David Chappelle, but if you think about comedians, you can think about artists, you think about musicians, you think about actors or Tarantinos or Scorsese's, they are the old one out because they have doubled down on who they are. They're creating their own things. And, you know, Tarantino makes Tarantino movies, Scorsese makes Scorsese movies, you know. John Mayer makes John Mayer albums. You know, they are the odd one out in a way because they've embraced who they are and they double down on this and this is what they do. And sometimes when we try to build businesses as an alien, it can feel doubly daunting because not only you're in, <laughs> you try to build business out of your creativity, you do in a different language, in a different place, you, try, you, know, you need to build your whole new support network and friends and clientele. And you're thinking, well, that sounds almost impossible until you start. Because it begins to make more sense because um, immigrants on, on average are actually, I think statistically, are more likely to succeed because there's, there's a bit of a drive. There's a different drive on, you know, how to make sort of, how to create a, well, a new fortunes for yourself because you don't have that fallback of family or benefit system. And, you know, sometimes aliens like myself or you know, because everyone gets thrown in the same bucket <laughs> in, in sort of right-wing countries. Um, sometimes immigrants are sort of seen as a, as a sort of um, strain on, 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 you know, social services and, and, and resources. But when you think about like, you know, Steve Jobs was half, um, was half Syrian. You know, you get so many examples of people who are actually from different countries or, you know, part, part, um, you know, half, I don't know how to say, like, by, no, I don't know, what's the way to say, like, they've got parents from a different country, like, you know, part, part alien, shall we say. And it makes us strive more somehow. And I think, you know, when I go to various conferences and I speak to people, there is apprehension about, you know, go to a different country and give it to, giving it a go and, and learn a different language and kind of creating something for yourself because, you know, racism is rife everywhere still, you know, even in, in big or small form, you know, there's, there's always um, some sort of anxiety about people sort of moving around a place. But when you embrace who you are and when you sort of show your true, true, true um, intentions, it's, you know, it you then become the sort of the, the, the exotic thing, you know, you become sort of the short supply because, you know, I've, I've had a fair share of people in the past be like, you know, making the sort of comments that, you know, they are sort of racially motivated, even though I'm, I'm white as, as the English people. But it's, um, yeah, it's, it's about embracing it because the bolder you feel about yourself, the way you carry yourself, you know, it just falls aside because people start judging you on what you can do rather than your accent or you know, or your origins, people just kind of want to buy into what you do and kind of you start leading from within. So it kind of loops us back on the, on the message from the beginning of, 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 the, of the session there. You know, you don't change the world from your point of view, you change it within, you change the world, not like how you create yourself as a change in the world that you want to be. So kind of creating these tools and these, these books and these, these you know, 
messages is is for people to actually have more, live more sort of harmonious life if that makes sense i know it might seem a bit out there but i think with the creative world we can achieve it absolutely absolutely i i could not agree more i think you have shared some excellent points and i'm so glad that we were able to cover as many things as possible from your book creativity for sale and that's what we were uh, speaking about guys i would highly encourage people who are in the creative business and even if you're not i think this is actually a very good book i have personally enjoyed reading it i love the font i love the colors i love the way how radim has illustrated a lot of points bullet points is not too lengthy it is 250 plus pages uh, but if you compare it with other books i think it's still small exactly the way how it is written it has beautiful images stuff like that so well done you know radim kudos to you on making such a lovely book and next uh, not next next episode actually uh, will will happen this saturday i wanted to actually cover both the things but i think it would have been next to impossible so i have scheduled another event uh, on saturday feb 24th part 2 uh, you should be able to find this under the event notes for this event if you click on the event uh, you should be able to find links to the part 2 so please i highly encourage people to rsvp for this event so that we can speak about how to look after yourself being in business you know as a creative entrepreneur is there anything radim you would like to share before we wrap up anything you feel we may have missed out i just want to thank you i just want to thank you for having me on the show and i'm hopefully it made sense to to our listeners um no um thank you for promoting my books you're doing a fantastic job <laughs> you did not I so you know, i just want to be very but, open no radim is not paying me to say this because i've been reading it i'm not really a guy who's heavily into books i do read it but it takes a long time uh with this book uh you know it took me a couple of days i sat myself and i was like i'm going to read it because i want to prep for the interview and just ask him thoughtful questions you know which are related so it was really fun So yeah so this was really nice I want to thank everyone who have been listening all the seven listeners who are listening to us consistently without you I don't think I would exist if you have not followed Radim please follow him on LinkedIn and other platforms I have all the links uh, if you do like to get similar content related to entrepreneurship I have my podcast which I usually uh, do rooms 3 p.m. eastern standard time every Wednesday Uh, my current season is going to continue till july after that you know like you say radim you know it's good to take a break so i take a two month break uh, and then i restart the next season something of that sort so it's fun thank you so much guys you know please enjoy have a nice morning afternoon evening wherever you're listening okay thank you so much you take care of yourself thank you radim once again i'll be in touch thank you jason we'll speak on saturday <laughs>